You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm really excited about this class. I think the thing that excited me the most was uh, flying around the country for the last two weeks, getting in homes with these guys and seeing what type of kids they are, what kind of personalities they have. Best thing about them is they they love football, they love the game, they're excited, they want to be at Nebraska. Uh, I would walk out almost every house and say, you know, we got a chance to win a lot of games with with kids like this coming to the program. It was a long, stressful process, but I just I followed my heart and it led me to and it led me to um, make my decision I made today. I'd have to do what's best for me and my family. For me to go around all those places and have people tell me, man, coach, we can see it coming. Man, you're close. Man, a couple more pieces and you guys are there. That wasn't us saying those things. That was coaches and, and players in other places recognizing it when they're watching games. If we were a few pieces short or, or coming up just a little short in some games this year, hopefully we got a bunch of those pieces in this class. And It's important for us to, if we want the team that everybody around here wants, to, to keep stacking recruiting classes like this and making sure we have talent and depth at every spot. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we'll hear from Robin Washett later in the show, but um, this is the post-signing day edition. It's Nate Klaus's time right now. He's going to get plenty of time uh, with me to talk about just this early signing hall, and really this is going to be most of the signing hall for Nebraska in 2020 um, as they will hold the spot for Xavier Betts, um, and you know that will put them at 23, and then they'll have two additional spots that they can use still um, you know, in this cycle, whether that would be February um, they could maybe get a guy late in the final 72 hours. That's still up in the air. A, um, a late Juco guy could sign any time up until January as well, or a transfer portal guy. So they got a lot of options they can do, but it was a good day for Nebraska. I, I know, you know, Nate, when you look at the day itself, the greedy stargazer recruiting junkie like you and I are, you want to get them all. You want to see them all. I mean, but Nebraska, you know, to, to close out, the way they did with Jaden Francois and Marcus Fleming and, you know, getting a Keyshawn Green late in the week before and Omar Manning on Friday night before signing day. It's been a long time since we've seen this type of finish where Nebraska pulled guys out of what you would call kind of the power states and held off the local schools to win those battles. Yeah, I think that – that's probably the the story. I mean, not yeah, they closed really, really well with the guys that they really wanted. But when you really look at where they pulled these guys from, I mean, to get two four star uh, recruits out of Miami that had on signing day on signing day that had offers from uh, the Hurricanes that were just right down the road. They had offers from Florida and Florida State. I mean, the, these aren't guys that oh Nebraska got the the leftovers from the Big Three in the state of Florida. I mean, these are guys that every program in the state wanted these players. They didn't steal the FIU recruit. That's a real gem. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and we've seen that before. And, and fine, whatever. But. I don't know if we've ever seen Nebraska close, especially on signing day, with with some of these guys that had options to go to every in-state program in Florida. Um, you know, to go into Miami Northwestern and South Dade High School and pull Marcus Fleming and Jaden Francois out of there on, on signing day is is a, is a big big deal. And hey. tip your hat to the job Travis Fisher Whew. did. Uh, not just with those two guys, but you mentioned Keyshawn Green. I mean, this is a guy that was committed to Florida State forever. Um, and and then, you know, with the coaching change and everything, picks up a Miami offer, visits Miami, 
Um, looked like he was is probably going to be heading to uh, to Coral Gables, and then out of nowhere, Fisher gets him to to visit Lincoln uh, instead of going to Florida State to meet the new coaching staff there. Uh, he comes to Lincoln and leaves committed to, to the Huskers. I mean, to to do that with a highly ranked four-star guy um, at a position of need with the inside linebacker situation as it is, I mean, that's just uh, unbelievable. Well, we've seen it, Nate, so many times in our history of 20 years or so of covering Nebraska football since signing day has been a thing. Because, you know, it's really only been about 20 years um, I would say classes of like 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. I mean, that, that's kind of when it started. And then Bill Callahan's first 05 is when it really started for a lot of people. And since it's become a thing, a holiday, an exciting time, we've seen so many times over the years where Nebraska gets in the red zone. They get to the goal line, but they just get stuffed. I mean, they get in, in you know, as we watch that Jaden Francois thing <laughs> play out, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Here we go. I've seen this my entire career, and I've devoted most of my professional career to covering and building things off recruiting coverage. And, you know, we are actually getting to see the sausage being made live here of Nebraska being turned away on signing day. It was, and I'm sure you were saying the same thing. It's like, oh my God, same, same movie, different year. Um, Here we go. And, that phone conversation, what was ever said on that phone, whoever was on that phone, it was unbelievable that Nebraska was able to pull that off and, and whatever they said to the Francois family, um, and clearly a rumor was started about Travis Fisher yeah. that he was leaving Nebraska. So why you want to go there? That coach is leaving. You know, people are freaking out and telling this kid and his family the main reason why you want to go there is this Fisher guy. He ain't going to be there anymore. And it created just a, a pure S show, yeah. part of my language, um, you know, and, and and they were able to survive that. Yeah, they, they were. I mean, and it, it shook Fran, Francois. He was crying. I mean, he was at the table crying. I mean, the kid's getting ready to to announce where he's going in front of in front of all his friends at the at the school like ceremony. Fifteen hundred people probably yeah, in that gym. easily in, in that gym. And minutes before he's getting ready to do that, he gets you know someone tells him something about Travis Fisher leaving and. And uh, it shook him, and it shook his whole family. I mean, they, they had to—they walked out of the gym. Uh, he was crying on the phone with whoever at that point in time. Uh, walked out of the gym, and and um, we're watching this unfold. I'm sitting there at my computer. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> this is not good. Um, and I know some people started tweeting at me like, oh, what, what happened? Did Miami pull the offer? And, and he's upset that, that Miami pulled the offer. And I'm like, no, no, this is not good for Nebraska. Uh, My favorite is when they went in the doors. But yeah. then you, they had Gary Furman, our colleague at Canesport, had his, his periscope. And God bless his cell phone battery. I mean, that thing was on Periscope Live for an hour and a half. Easy, yeah. And and you could just see these little rectangular square windows, and Gary was like zoomed in, and I mean, it, it was like something like out of a thirty for thirty. You'd yeah. watch like just like some backstory of a story, and that we could see that happening. I mean, that is unheard of in recruiting. Yeah, you, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that. And then, um, you know, obviously for Nebraska was probably watching this unfold, and they somehow. Uh, were able to to get Jaden to to call them, and they were able to clarify. Hey, look, this is not a rumor, or this is not happening. This is just a, an ugly rumor, um, you know. And, and get him to calm down, and and then he, he had the shirt on though. Oh, yeah, he, he was he was decked out in Nebraska gear under his uh, you know under his shirt or whatever. Uh, he had the hat underneath the table. I mean, he was all set to announce for Nebraska. So you think what happened was? 
he's sitting there getting ready to sign Nebraska, and a text comes to him at the phone. This is how I envision it playing out, at least, that Coach Fisher's leaving Nebraska. Are you sure you want to sign to Nebraska? Sign Miami staff. Mm-hmm. And then that's when he kind of stepped away. Yeah, so Something he, like that. he either got a text or some sort of message or – Someone from Miami's staff told, you know, leaked a rumor to a media member that was there covering the press conference and and told them to tell Jaden or I mean, I don't know. Uh, but however it happened, uh, the the rumor got leaked to him that, that Fisher was gone. And uh, like you said, you know, wh- why would you want to go to to Nebraska uh, when when the guy that's been recruiting you is is bouncing? He's he's leaving you on signing day. You know, you're going to go to a place like that and. Um, like I said, it, it shook him, uh, but Nebraska was able to to quickly react and and uh, kind of shoot those rumors down. And it was funny after Francois then announced for Nebraska, uh, Fisher, who does not tweet, he, he's not a big social media guy. He makes a tweet that says, uh, "So excited to be, um, you know, that, so excited to get the guys that we got out of Florida and and to to coach these guys for the next four to five years." Um, <laughs> kind of letting them know hey look I'm not going anywhere uh, I'm going to be your coach for as long as you're, you're going to be at Nebraska so uh, I thought that was that was kind of funny I when I saw that tweet I, I literally laughed to be a fly on the wall when Travis Fisher runs into some Miami coaches yeah. on the road in January and you know what when we go on satellite trips Miami is an Adidas school yep. so maybe we'll see some Miami coaches around Travis it will, Fisher it would, yeah it's going to be, be interesting because I'm sure whoever started this rumor he's going to find out who it is and Whew, God, I love this. But at the same it's time, fun. maybe he'll shake their hand because I guarantee you that he's probably going to get some sort of raise out of this deal. Well, exciting times. We're going to talk more. Um, and, you know, that Francois saga was the highlight to me of the day as how it played out. Let's get into more signing day topics here next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It just kind of fell this year that a lot of the kids that we really were invested in and wanted in our program were making late decisions. I mean, I, I heard all the talk early on about how we were behind and we were behind, and we kind of knew that, but uh, we were kind of betting on ourselves in recruiting and had a lot of really good targets out there, and uh, luckily we were able to land quite a few of them. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations in Omaha and Lincoln, Get on into Tanner's college football bowl season starts up this weekend. NFL football is on both Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So uh, no better place to watch all the football action, college basketball action at those Tanner's locations in both Omaha and Lincoln. And Nate Klaus here, you heard Scott Frost talk about um, just the approach they took. And it was not a good good approach, I guess, for fans that want comfort and feel that things are on track. I mean, they they really pushed the envelope with how they rolled the dice this year, but they ended up working, and they weren't scrambling to settle. And the guys that maybe they did quote-unquote settle for, they dropped two of them, um, which I thought was interesting in Junior Ajo and and Jamoy Hodge. Yeah, I mean, it it came together – Really well, uh, and I don't want to say they settled for those guys, but I guess it felt that way. The way yeah, they, they were went. late offers, they were they were guys that they came in on late. Um, but I mean, typically outside of your maybe top five JUCO guys in the country, the the large majority of your JUCO targets are going to be guys that you come in on late. But um, but yeah, I mean, they they ended up 
cutting bait with uh, with boy, both Jamoy Hodge and, and Junior Ajo. Um, you know, and I mean, I go back to about this time last year, and where they're they're getting ready to sign, or they just had signed uh, what was you know, top sixteen, top fifteen class. And you're, you're starting to look at the pieces to come together for 2020 and you're going, okay, well, 2020 is going to be just as good, maybe even a little bit better, um, you know, especially if things go really well on the football field. And, and Nebraska was thinking the same thing. I, I think they had a plan uh, put together. They had guys that they wanted to get at the top of their board that they felt like they could get. Um, now, the plan did not come together as as quickly as I think they thought it would, uh, especially you know during the season. Um, obviously, we all know they didn't have the season that we thought they were going to have, and and I, I think that kind of delayed some things. Or maybe but those home visits ended up being yeah. very effective. Oh yeah, it was a, a huge. Um, you know those home visits. If we've learned anything about Scott Frost and his staff, it's that they they are great in home. Uh, and Frost can close when when he when he needs to or wants to close. He he's going to close. And um, I mean, I don't know if I've seen a stretch of you know two weeks like we just saw where where they did close at the rate that they uh, uh, that they did with the types of guys that they did. So uh, the plan did eventually come together and and. Really, when you look at the class, a large majority of these guys are guys that they had been on for a long time and had uh, ranked really high on their board. Yeah, Nate, you look at up and down um, this class, and I mean, I think a few position groups really jump out as far as what they address. Defensive front seven, edge play in general, um, wide receiver. Um, I think those two are probably the, the key ones. And then secondary, the way it closed out and finished with Travis Fisher, but um, it, you know, it wasn't a year where they had to get a lot of running. I mean, they got two running backs, but it was, I mean, but you look up and down. I mean, I felt like wide receiver, edge play, outside linebacker, DN, et cetera, that kind of grouping in general um, were, the, were the two biggest ones. And then obviously secondary down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, the secondary, I think that's, that's a really, really good class. But that, that front seven is, is what I kind of look at as maybe the story uh, of this recruiting class, especially with the pieces that they, they added down the stretch. Um, you know, so they needed to address their their lack of a pass rush, and and I think they got some guys that are legitimate pass rushers in this class, and um, you know, and a couple guys that I'm I'm really pretty excited about. I think that uh, Jamari Butler is going to be a pretty special player down the road. He's he's you know he's, he still needs some development right now, but he he's got an opportunity I think to be um, a pretty electric pass rusher. They haven't landed a player quite like him. Uh, in a very, very long time. But uh, they addressed a lot of needs in that front seven, um, you know, both outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and then up front uh, after losing five D linemen um, you know, that, that they had to get, and, and they were able to do it. And this class, Nate, when you look at it, it's really about kind of those core glue guys that committed early and not a one of them wavered. Mm-hmm. And I thought when you look at Logan Smothers, Nash Hutmacher, um, Turner Corcoran, Blades Gunnerson, Turner Corcoran, uh, and I miss, I don't know if I'm missing, you know, and there was a time Xavier Betts, Xavier Betts. And they, you know, they wanted Xavier Watts to be a part of, he never was a part of, he went to Notre Dame, but that core group of early glue guys, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what built this class. Yeah, it really did. And I mean, and it started with Smothers. I mean, he 
Smothers has been recruited for well over a year and a half. I mean, he's he, he recruited or he, he committed uh, July before his junior season. And so he was the very first guy um, in Nebraska. You know, the large reason why they got Smothers was because Nebraska was the first team to really go all in on him and say, you are our guy. You're our number one guy. And, um, and you, if you commit, we'll shut it down. And and that's what happened. And, and Nebraska followed through on that. And, and Smothers, I mean, shoot, tip your hat to that kid and, and kind of his integrity because I tell you what, I know for a fact that there were some big, big-time, big-time programs. Can I get a tease for Tunnel Talk, Nate? You're going to – maybe divulge a little yeah, bit more of the juice and, and for our members only tunnel talk on Husker online about smothers well there was college football playoff teams that were after smothers trying to get him to take an official visit um and save the rest for tunnel talk yep and so and he'd never wavered um and, and I mean that's that's impressive I don't care who you are um and how long you've been committed uh, or who you're committed to I mean when you've got a programs like that knocking on your door beating your door down literally um I mean that's it's hard to ignore but Smothers was all in and 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 he never wavered his his relationship with Mario Verduzco uh was really really strong his relationship with Frost really strong and his relationship with the his current or you know his fellow commits uh, in this class uh, is is was really strong and um, you're right. I mean, those that, that core group of early commits of four or five guys, uh, I think they, they really did kind of hold things together and, and really help Nebraska close out strong too. Yeah, and you think about a guy like Turner Corker and Evening, can you imagine the amount of people that tried to circle back to him over the course of the college football season and, and he – still continued to come to Lincoln every Saturday. He was up here every game. Yeah, I mean, he had – it came down to Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, essentially, for his commitment. Um, and so, again, college football playoff teams um, in, in the Huskers. And and you, you have to know that Oklahoma and Ohio State and, and obviously, you know, he, he's from Lawrence, so uh, KU was after him. K-State, I know, felt like they, they – Still had an opportunity to get Turner and uh, never wavered. Uh, I mean, and he and all these guys, you talk with them, it, they will tell you that they are fully bought into what Scott Frost and the staff are doing. They see the vision for the future. Um, and, and just the relationship that they have with the coaching staff is, is why um, they never really, you know, had any doubt whatsoever about being committed to the Huskers when things were kind of rough at times. Favorite player, I'm just going to say just one. Overall, in this class on film, oh boy! I mean, honestly, that's it's pretty tough um, to to say just just one. Um, you know, I I kind of lean towards Savion Morrison. Um, I, I think that he's a guy, especially after being able to see him in person. Um, you know, he's I, I think he's got a chance to be really really special. Um, but I mean, I could I could probably go with about six guys to be honest with you. Uh, which is a great – I mean, that kind of speaks Tell to – Tell me you're super six. Yeah, that, it, it, it kind of <laughs> – but that speaks to, you know, the overall depth of talent, I think, in, in this recruiting class. A lot of times when you have a clear-cut number one guy uh, that's your absolute favorite, it, it's because the rest are, aren't all that great. Uh, I'm going to say Omar Manning for mine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Omar Manning's a pretty special player. Um, and, and, yeah, and then you listen to what Scott Frost had to say about him, and holy cow, I mean – um, when he says he's never never seen a, a player that looks like Omar Manning and, and can also back it up on the field, uh, 
you know, and, and that he's how excited he is to coach a guy like that and how big of a game changer he is. I mean, that, that gets you kind of excited if you're a Husker fan listening to the head coach talk that way. By the way, how exhausted and tired did Scott Frost look at the press conference on Wednesday? I mean, it looked like his eyes were just held open by drinking <laughs> energy drinks all day. Yeah. And if he wasn't on caffeine, he'd probably fall right asleep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> It's all those all these coaches um, are burning the candle at both ends this time of year. But Frost, I mean, it's it is crazy. Frost travel schedule. That jet the, log was nuts. Oh yeah, the, during the in home visit season, um, you know, and, and last the week before signing week, he had um, you know obviously he's he's crisscrossing the country, um, but they also had a walk on day um, or a walk on event on a Wednesday night. And he he flew he left Lincoln that morning did like two or three visits flew back to Lincoln uh, to to do the walk on event and then left at like ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night and and flew to Miami to have his in home visits with uh, Francois uh, Marcus Fleming Henry Gray it ended up being pretty big visits yeah and and that's when that's when I think he you know legitimately secured those guys' commitments. Uh, but he didn't get to Miami that night until like three in the morning, and then his visit started. You know, first thing that next day, he had to see like five guys. I mean, it is it was crazy the the amount of travel and the the hours that that they really put in over these two weeks leading up to signing day. Well, we're going to talk more recruiting in the mailbag, but Robin Washett's going to talk some basketball. I promise Nate will be back here late in the show here in our final segment as. We're going to look ahead. What is next? What will Nebraska do with the scholarships they have remaining? That's next, or that's that will be our final recruiting segment. We'll talk basketball next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, when you go out and battle like we did at Indiana, and, you know, first opportunity to play in the Big Ten as a road game. And we handled it so much better in a hostile environment that we did that game against Creighton. And I think, you know, I hope. That, that was a turning point for us, that Creighton game. The next morning, we had a film session where we talked about a lot of things. We were honest about a lot of things, and I don't think guys took it personal. I think we've grown uh, since that situation, and then to bounce back with that effort in Indiana, um, would have loved to have won it, but you know, we talked about one of the hardest things in this business is to put a tough, devastating loss behind you, but for our guys to go out there and do that to bounce back uh, the way we did, and you know, the other thing I challenged, I said, make, make, make Purdue call the first time out tonight. And they did that, you know, by getting out to that good start and you set the tone. And like I said, then you have that little lull and you're able to sustain because we guarded and then finished off the half in a big way. And then I thought those last 20 minutes, we were phenomenal. You know, we had that little stretch where we didn't rebound it well, but uh, overall the energy, the effort, uh, you know, guys going out there and playing for each other. We had 26 baskets and 22 assists. That's a big time, big time uh, stat and only 11 turnovers against, like I said, the fifth best defense in the country and a team that really climbs India and makes it tough. So, you know, again, just a really solid overall effort. And we're back here on the Husker Lion co- show here. That was Nebraska basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, a victorious Fred Hoiberg after Nebraska's stunning, um, I call it stunning, um, upset win over Purdue, um, who was a basket away a year ago from beating the national champions Virginia. Then they beat the national defending national champions Virginia this year uh, by a wide margin. Um, Robin, when, when you look at it, A, did you think it was at all possible on short rest Nebraska would be able to get a win 
with a limited bench, limited roster against a veteran team like Purdue. Yeah, given the circumstances Nebraska was put in uh, last weekend, uh, that would have been uh, – I would even put it in the realm of uh, possibility that they'd be able to accomplish that. Just, uh, I mean, just from the logistics standpoint of it, having to go play a red-hot Indiana team on the road and then uh, to play you know that well and take the team game into overtime and then suffer a uh, you know kind of gut-wrenching over, overtime defeat – um, you know, playing that many minutes and then less than 48 hours later have to turn around and prep for a Purdue team that has as big and physical of a front court as they're going to see all season. Uh, when Purdue got to Lincoln before Nebraska did, uh, I mean, that just seemed like too much for this team to handle. Purdue landed in Lincoln before Nebraska got home? Yes. Yes. So drop my mic there. Think Sorry. about that. Uh, and so, I mean, that's I mean, unheard of. And, and they had eight days of rest going into that <laughs> game, too. And Nebraska had like barely over a day uh, to recover and prep uh, between Big Ten games. I mean, that for, that's a whole other tangent we can get on about what the Big Ten did to Nebraska for those first two December games. But uh, for them to handle it the way that they did, I mean, not only playing with that type of effort and fight against Indiana, but to turn around and do it again and dominate Purdue. I mean, they dominated Purdue from start to finish. They jumped out on them early, forced the first time out uh, within the first three minutes, and uh, they led for the final 25 minutes of that game uh, and only were out-rebounded by four and really just played one of their most complete games of the season. It's incredible, and it says a lot about not only this coaching staff getting these guys ready to play, but you know, it's kind of the, the will of these players kind of coming together. I mean, I think that they're starting to finally uh, take those steps to towards becoming a team. And last weekend was as good of an indication of that as we've seen yet, especially considering where they were just a week ago. I mean, you look at where they were at 40 to nine up in Omaha with Creighton, just doing whatever they wanted to them. Uh, it looked like this could be a total dumpster fire of a season. And we were thinking, will they win a game in big 10 play? Well, uh, clearly they proved they're not only capable of winning uh, a game. I think they're going to win uh, a handful and maybe pull off a few more of those upsets before all said and done. Now it's going to be kind of a, a long two week stretch here. Or so as Nebraska will play on Saturday, uh, following UNL graduation against North Dakota. It's a 5 o'clock tip here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And then they're not back again until Sunday, December 29th, um, another bye game, a 3 o'clock afternoon game here on that Sunday. So um, kind of an opportune time to get a break, Robin. I mean, what do you get the sense the staff is going to really focus on as they only have the, the two games in just over two weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's – kind of a, a new type of challenge for this team now where uh, you're actually feeling good about yourself right now. I mean, you've just played two of your best games of the season and uh, pulled off a, an improbable win over a, a Purdue team, like you said, that um, is a lot better than what they showed. Uh, but now you get a week off uh, before you're playing a game again and you're doing it against a bye game on graduation Saturday when, uh, you know, it's an awkward start at five o'clock where uh, you don't really know what the energy in the arena is going to be like. And, We've seen this team fall victim to that circumstance before. I mean, they lost two of these already to start the year. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, you know, they, they spent a whole week just kind of feeling good about themselves. Will they be able to return with that level of focus and fight and, and execution that they showed last weekend? If they can, they're going to be just fine. And these should be uh, convincing victories that are going to leave you feeling pretty good with a um, you know nice little three-game winning streak going into the meat of Big Ten play in January. But – 
if they come out and kind of putts around and just expect to walk into PBA and, and get a victory, uh, we've seen what happens when they do that. Uh, this team does not respond to adversity well, or at least they haven't. And if they revert back to some of their old bad habits that have bitten them plenty of times already this season, uh, they could be in store for some for some trouble. So uh, I think the task of what you do this week um, and even on into next week through Christmas break is retain the just the, the focus and, and kind of the uh, attention to detail and all the little things that they did last weekend that they didn't do all year. Keep that going and find some sort of semblance of consistency because uh, that's been as big of an issue for this team as anything is avoiding the massive ups and downs between high level of play and terrible level. And the schedule really, um, you know, there's an opportunity here. You look at it in Nebraska with the two bye games, then they're at home on a Friday night against Rutgers. Then on a Tuesday, January 7th, they're at home against Iowa. And then they're on the road against arguably the worst team in the conference on a Saturday at Northwestern. So they've got a very favorable stretch. And it is interesting, um, the schedule earlier, Robin, was not very uniform. It becomes very uniform here over the January. They have a Friday game, but then they're essentially Tuesday, Saturday. Um, they have four straight Tuesday games and four straight Saturday games. Um, so everyone that's craved for the old Wednesday, Saturday, big eight days, big 12 days, they're going to have a whole month of January where they're Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So it will be interesting to follow this team. I do want to ask you, though, about some roster stuff because we are up against it already, and I know you're going to have a lot to say. Number one, um, Nebraska. Not They didn't part ways, but Donovan Williams announced his decommitment from Nebraska. Not a shocker. I mean, you've been kind of painting the picture that this is going to happen, and it finally became a story officially Wednesday. Yeah, not a shocker. Uh, still disappointing in the sense that he is a local kid that um, he was a four-star, top 150 kid uh, that wanted to come here, but uh, it's kind of just the nature of the beast. You know, he, he didn't sign in November when they had the opportunity, and Nebraska didn't stop recruiting. Uh, they pick up a commitment from Teddy Allen, who is a very similar role to what uh, Donovan was going to do, and Donovan, you know, kind of saw the writing on the wall that Nebraska wanted instant impact guys that uh, were going to maybe take away from his opportunity to see the floor right away as a true freshman. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was kind of a one of those decisions that, that hurts now, especially for Donovan. Uh, but in the long run, it was probably the best decision for both sides. And then, Robin, I got to ask you about Teddy Allen. You broke the story this week. He is coming back to Nebraska. Never was offered previously by Tim Miles. Had a lot of other major offers. Has had a long road, Wichita State. Um, West Virginia. West Virginia. And then, obviously, his junior college stop now, but he'll be coming home for his fourth school as a junior college transfer, a high-volume scorer. Why did Teddy Allen decide come, to come back to Nebraska? Well, he always wanted to come to Nebraska. I mean, he grew up uh, in a really hard life. Uh, this mean, a story. We could do, devote a whole segment to it uh, in Arizona, but moved to Boys Town and really kind of turned his life around. Uh, that was exactly the structure he needed, and he thrived there, was the 2017 Gatorade Player of the Year in the state. And like you said, Nebraska never offered, but he wanted to come to Nebraska. He wanted to stay close to that that circle around Omaha and Boys Town that had done so much for him, but he never got the opportunity. Committed to West Virginia, things fell apart, even though he played well. Uh, went to Wichita State, uh, had to sit out, and then had an incident off the off the field court off the court that uh, you know got him dismissed. He ends up at Western Nebraska, and he went there uh, because he was uh, kind of told that if you go to Western Nebraska, you're going to have a chance to have a straight line to go to. Nebraska. And so he followed that path. It worked draft for him. Fred Hoiberg and Matt Abdelmasi went out and saw him in September and recruited him ever since. Got him to visit uh, unofficially for the Purdue game on Sunday. He pulled, announced his commitment on Tuesday. And now Nebraska has the number one scoring junior college player in the country right now that is back home where he belongs. 
Well, it should be interesting to follow how all this plays out. I know we covered a lot of ground, yeah. um, but it is going to be kind of a long, you know, final two weeks of the holiday. It's going to be gone. Uh, but obviously, Robin will have full coverage of the game here Saturday. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there'll be a little bit of access here, but the team will be gone for probably four, five, six days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They definitely take a break over, over Christmas. So, uh, you know, we'll have much more to talk about basketball when it's not signing day week. Right. I understand where I fall in the totem pole. When we come back, uh, we will close the show. Nate Klaus and I will have more thoughts on recruiting. That's next. You're listening to the Oscar Line Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, we don't talk about that stuff, and uh, all I'll tell you is I, I think the kid's a trooper for battling through what he battled through this year, and he's not alone. Um, several other guys were gutting things out and, and fighting for the team. That's football. You know, I've had seven surgeries as a football player, and you come back healthier and better every time you get one, and uh, I think uh, a lot of those guys play will improve when they're 100% healthy. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, this post-signing day edition. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and uh, starting the mailbag here with Grace Harmon as that was head coach Scott Frost breaking down the injury situation with Adrian Martinez. Confirmed he had a surgery, but he will be back here going forward for the spring. But now it's time for this post-signing day edition of the mailbag. Grace, what do you have to lead us off with? All right, so how has this staff's handling of scholarship offers been different than previous staffs? I think they kept their cool um, because I do think it's very, very easy to settle um, on guys and just fill spots to fill spots to kind of get the assurance that you've got players and spots. But I think what was different, and I think Nate would probably agree with this too, is we haven't seen like it very often where guys have been committed to Nebraska publicly and Nebraska just kind of, yeah, he's not signing today. And, you know, we saw that with Junior Ajo. We saw them make a move on Hodge, Jamani Hodge, Nate earlier in the year. And that, to me, is a little bit different, but that's how recruiting works, and we haven't seen a lot of staffs do it that way in the past. No, we haven't seen a lot of staffs handle it that way. And um, I mean, just as, as far as how they offer scholarships, this staff offers uh, a lot more players. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they don't really mess around with, with their numbers. I, I think they have a pretty detailed plan on, on what they want and, and how many they want, and, and they, they, they kind of stick to that plan. All right, what members of this particular staff um, deserve the most credit for adding talent to the class? Well, I'm only going to take one, and I'm going to say Travis Fisher. Um, I think he's an obvious one. He, to me, was what got Nebraska over the goal line in a place that they've struggled to do that. I mean, Nebraska over the years has always gotten in with talent in places like Florida or California or Texas, et cetera. But a lot of times when those kids get pushed hard locally – uh, when they get pushed hard by schools in the region and other people around them, they cave and they end up decommitting from Nebraska or not picking Nebraska. And, and this was one of those years where because of a guy like Travis Fisher, he was able to navigate Nebraska through the, quote, drama and, and get the ball over the goal line where I just, you know, years past, guys like Fleming and Francois – those just wouldn't go Nebraska's way. And I think a guy like Fisher played a big part in, in having those go their way. Yeah, Fisher definitely played a huge role in that. And the other guy is Ryan Held. I mean, you could legitimately draw about half of the class back to Ryan Held. Um, you know, all the Juco guys, uh, all the running backs, and then you know, all the guys within the 500-mile radius pretty much 
have Ryan held uh, as their lead recruiter or or played a large role in, in being recruited. So, um, you know, I, I think those two guys are, are by far and away your your all-star recruiters in this class. You got to tip your cap to Greg Austin, too, uh, you know, with his work with Turner Cor- Corcoran. Uh, and then also Mario Verdusco, who – <laughs> all the guys that are going to go on a hunting trip up yeah. in South Dakota, <laughs> you know that I, I think you got to really tip your cap to him for uh, you know putting himself out there a little bit, and I'm sure it was not ideal circumstances. All right, what do you have? And by the way, you, you grew up in, in a farming community. Have you been hunting? I actually have never been hunting. My family was not hunters, so you, you didn't like let hunters on your land. We let hunters on our land, but we personally didn't, never hunted. My brother did, but my dad wasn't really into it. So if Scott Frost wants to have a, recruiting visitors use your land to hunt on, you're, you're not going to allow. Them that oh we would yeah <laughs> all right what, legal? what do you have yeah it's probably not legal. <laughs> not what, do you, legal. What, what do you have next what's going on all right well i have one for robin so with a decommitment of donovan williams from nebraska basketball how surprised were you from that and uh how, does that hurt the class in any way well, it hurts the class in the sense that he's a four-star Rivals 150 recruit who has been a long-time commit. I mean, going back basically over a year now uh, when he committed under Tim Miles. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's also some circumstances involved there that, that make it different and difficult for, for Fred Hoiberg. I mean, obviously Donovan tore his ACL in an AAU game, uh, had pretty extensive surgery, and is still uh, yet to return to game action um, you know, going into the new year. And so Nebraska's never seen him play. Uh, they, don't have any, they don't have any idea about just where he is in his recovery and just kind of what player he's going to be going forward. Uh, and then also, you know, November came and passed with the fall signing period and Donovan declined to sign his letter of intent. So um, I don't know why. I mean, he made the comments that he wanted to wait for all of his family to be around there. But for Nebraska's sake, they can't just sit around and like hold this guy's hand all the way to the spring. Uh, they have to continue to recruit. And they did. And they went and got Teddy Allen, uh, who coincidentally is another six, five guard wing that can shoot the ball. Uh, and Donovan, you know, saw the writing on the wall, I think, and decided to move on. So not a surprise, but you know, disappointing in the fact that he's a Lincoln kid wanted to be here. It just didn't work out. All right, and Scott Frost said he'll be meeting with Maurice Washington on Thursday. How do you uh, foresee that meeting going? Boy, that's an interesting one because, um, I mean, did somebody report that or is this that, that he was at no. the banquet? Where was that? Oh, it was, it was on our message board. Somebody said that he so was. So that is gold. I mean, take that oh, to yeah, the bank. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was on the Red Sea Scrolls. <laughs> Nothing but facts on the scrolls. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, the fact that he's at the banquet, um, it is interesting um, because, you know, if, if he is doing the right things, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's a hard situation to read right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll know more as the week continues here, but the fact that they're still having a meeting and nothing has been ultimately determined, uh, is probably pretty good indication that there is a chance how big of a chance we don't know, but, uh, the door is certainly not slammed shut. Yeah. That that was the most surprising thing to me with that. There was even going to be a conversation had, I I figured that door had been shut and closed. I I guess the one thing that that kind of told you that maybe it wasn't was the fact that his name wasn't in the transfer portal. Uh, I figured, you know, if if the door was completely closed, he probably would have entered the transfer portal. But uh, I would think that that conversation is going to be laying out some pretty strict guidelines uh, as far as his potential return, though. Yeah, you'd think if he puts his name, I mean, if he he goes to class in January, that one day he has to count for a scholarship for a whole other semester. So you would think there will be obviously some resolution here. Finals at Nebraska ended this week. Mm -hmm. uh, So we should have more, hopefully, obviously, as Frost said, uh, by the end of the week. All right. So, who is left to recruit for February, or by now, do the coaches just turn for the uh, to the next class? 
Well, there's going to be a couple names out there, I, I think. But uh, really, the way that they closed uh, on Wednesday, there's – I mean, they, they don't have a ton of spots and they don't have a ton of needs left. I, I think if you're going to point to one high school guy, uh, it would probably be Tanoa Tagawai. Uh, the the high school defensive end out of Idaho, uh, surprisingly enough, that's not a state that you you typically um, you know see Nebraska go to. But he visited uh, the weekend before signing day. That that visit went extremely well. Uh, I know that he is a high school DN that they they really really like, and that's a position that they still need to fit uh, at least one more at in this class. So uh, that's the most obvious name right now. Uh, in, in so it's going to be pretty easy. My job following <laughs> who they're going after to fill out the rest of the 2020 class should be pretty easy in January. Time for one more, Grace. All right, so looking back over the years, what's the funniest or strangest commitment day story that you've ever heard? There was one where I remember, Nate, and you remember this kid, uh, blank on his name, but it was a Bill Bush guy out of California and ended up going to Oregon State. David Ross. David Ross, <laughs> yes. As I'm sure you were probably in Bill Bush's office that whole yes, day. but I was. He <laughs> was supposed to sign to go to Nebraska. The coach had it all set up. And he did not go to school. Like, he just refused to sign with Nebraska or whatever thing happened. And, you know, Nebraska kept calling the coach and asking. And he wasn't there. And the kid took his own letter and signed it and faxed it to Oregon State, like at a Kinko's or something, I remember right. So his mom was a city bus driver in Compton, California. And he, instead of going to school, he rode the bus around the city with his mom for the for that day and then he ended up getting off and like you said he, he ended up going to kinko's uh on his own and faxing it into to oregon state uh his mom wanted him at nebraska so uh i don't know for sure if there was some arguing going on in that bus but i i, I have a feeling that that's what that's why he was on the city bus for like half the day is because he was trying to hash things out with his mom. He ended up getting getting off the bus and going to Kinko's and handling it on his own. Another one for me, just because it was really my first true signing day in the media, my first year covering recruiting, there was a quarterback named Carlo Holiday. And I, I just remember he, he ended up going to Notre Dame. But, you know, that was – everybody's got a guy. If you follow recruiting and you like recruiting – there's always a guy that kind of gets you hooked into following recruiting. And for me, and I'm sure Nate has a guy, Robin might even have a guy, but what gets you to log on to Arrivals.com for the first time? It was Carlo Holiday, and I was working for the Daily Nebraskan, and I remember you know, constantly trying to get an interview with him, and that's when cell phones didn't really exist yet, and constantly calling his home. I was pulling off on the road on signing day, calling from a pay phone several times, trying to see if I can get an answer. He ended up picking Notre Dame, um, had an okay career, but you know he could have been the guy that succeeded Eric Crouch at Nebraska. It didn't work out. Yeah, my, my guy is Marlon Lucky, like a lot of people, but my first ever recruiting interview was Chris Brooks. Uh, after oh, he Great committed. guy. And I remember I got that interview from you, or that his number from you when I was working at the Daily Nebraska, and you uh, – did me a favor. Yeah, I liked you th back then. Threw me a bone. So, uh, yeah, that that uh, <laughs> that was my first ever recruiting thing, and that's when I actually kind of uh, got my first my toe dipped in the water on the whole recruiting world. There. Who's your guy, Nate? Well, you guys remember Big Smooth? Oh, baby. Yeah, I mean, he was a polarizing figure. <laughs> Jermaine uh, Phillips? Yep, or uh, yeah, it was uh, Jamail Phillips, I think, out of, out of Louisiana. 
Um, just a massive offensive lineman. Uh, the, obviously, you know, the Big Smooth uh, was a fitting fitting name for him. But, yeah, he's in that 2002 class. I mean, he's one of the one of those guys that, that you know, kind of got me hooked on recruiting uh, just because he was – you know, he was the guy that everyone was talking about as far as offensive linemen went in, in that class. Uh, ended up going to Nebraska, did not work out for him. I think he only lasted a year or two. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, that 2002 class, I think it was, yeah, it would have been, yeah, my freshman year. Hola Nagata, remember, you, you still yeah, remember Hola Nata, yep, yep. He, he committed to Nebraska uh, on his visit for the Notre Dame game. And then, uh, obviously, ended up decommitting, going to Oregon, had a great career there. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys. Um, you know, uh, everyone remembers Tommy Zibikowski. That was another and his one. Sister. And his sister was on the Red Sea Scrolls. Uh, <laughs> it, and all she would, you know, she would uh, give her winks, you know, that, that kind of let people know that, that Tommy Z was going to head to Nebraska. Um, obviously, he ended up going to Notre Dame, but uh, yeah, he, that was another one of my guys that you know you, you got hooked on, and you you were following every every bit and piece of information that was out there at the time. Do you have a guy? I mean, Grace, I, I know you haven't followed recruiting for a long time, but is there anybody uh, for you that you, that rings a bell over your years of following Nebraska recruiting? You're like, wow, I'm, this is interesting. Uh, I, you're right. I haven't followed recruiting basically until I started um, here with you guys. But <laughs> uh, what, what's his name? Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Oh yeah. Do you remember well, I mean that? that makes sense for you. I mean you're yeah, younger, so that that that's a polarizing guy. That one I remember him because he wasn't he. I don't know. His dad's an NFL player. Yeah, but his dad went here and then. No, his dad. Uh, dad went to USC. Okay. Played for Mike oh, Riley. Played for Mike Riley. For, yeah, that. Was I knew the there connection. was some connection, and I just remember a whole big. Twitter now, Nebraska graduate Shelley Smith, former Daily Nebraska sports uh-huh. editor like yourself, wrote his book. Give me the damn ball. Okay. Okay. So, so there's so a little there's Nebraska connection there. Yeah, I just remember that whole Twitter frenzy when that whole thing went down with him. He didn't end up coming Cal here. Calabrasca, so. baby. Well, he got yeah. here, yeah. but yeah. It, just, it just didn't work yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> didn't last very long. Ripped to Calabrasca. Right. Well, we could reminisce. Uh, that The summer, we did the throwback um, story time segments. That was always fun. We might have to bring out some story time segments here this offseason. So, hey, thank you, Grace. Yeah, and thanks. when we come back, we'll close the show with more recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. There wasn't a better guy in the country, in my opinion, uh, for what we were looking for than him. Uh, he, he looks different than anybody I've ever coached and uh, has tape to match, so uh, I'm really excited to get him. Uh, he's got a little work to do yet before he gets to campus, but uh, I think he has a chance to, to change our offense. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision, Nate Klaus. Tell them about your experience with Coogler Vision. Uh, unbelievable experience with Coogler Vision. Actually, just had my three month checkup uh, on Monday before signing day. Um, you know, my, my vision is better than 2020. Um, you know, with the new year coming around, it, it, it's time to get new vision. Uh, if you're, you know, stop renting your, your vision with contacts or glasses, go ahead and see what, what the uh, LASIK procedure can do for you. It, it will change your life. Uh, get in there to Kugler Vision uh, and, and tell you Nate sent you. All right, Nate, you heard Scott Frost there talk about Omar Manning and kind of what he means. And kind of, to me, it reminded me a little bit of the Diedrich Mills plan. He's a guy that, you know, has some work to do, as Coach Frost said, meaning 
he's going to have a lot of coursework and Nebraska's people are going to have to probably keep on him and their people to make sure everything gets squared away. But the last thing they wanted to do was let him become an unsigned guy in January when everybody that still has spots to fill sees that and and he would become one of the most coveted guys over the second part of the cycle. Yeah, I mean, Omar Manning would have been – he would have become like the biggest free agent Juco player, maybe the biggest free agent receiver or, or receiver in, in the country. And so, yeah, that's the last thing Nebraska wanted to do after recruiting him for basically an entire year and then finally securing his, his verbal commitment – the last thing he wanted to do was to to not sign him and, and let him kind of linger on out there uh, for another what six weeks or whatever it is to to the February signing date. So, uh, yeah, he's got some work to do, some academic coursework. Um, we've all heard Diedrich Mills talk about you know what man uh, Ryan Held wore me out. He texted me ten times a day, making sure that I was staying on task and, and getting stuff done. But it worked, and and he made and and I made it, and and so on and so forth. Well. I guarantee you Omar Manning is going to be getting uh, multiple text messages or, or phone calls from Ryan Held uh, every day from now until the time he, he steps foot on campus. But it's worth it when you're talking about a, a player, um, you know, as talented as Omar Manning is and, and as bad as Nebraska needs a guy like that in their offense. Nate, as you look at what's next, um, Nebraska, they have one spot obviously going um, to Xavier Betts. Um, you know that that's spoken for. There's going to be two more scholarship spots left. Put your recruiting hat on here. How do you think Nebraska kind of plays it out with these final two spots um, going forward? Yeah, well, I think they definitely want to explore the transfer portal. Um, you know, and, and maybe even save at least one spot for that, and and wait until after spring football to see you know where their biggest need may be. Uh, because I, the transfer market's really not going to get going crazy until after spring football anyway. And so uh, I think that's something that we're likely to see happen. And uh, as far as like high school or JUCO recruiting goes uh, for, for one of those last spots, I think defensive end is, is the position that I'm kind of looking to see a little movement at uh, and, and probably a high school f- football player there. Uh, you got Nusi Milani, uh, a high school defensive end out of California. Uh, but I think the, the main target could possibly be uh, Tanoa Tagawai uh, out of Idaho, who just visited Nebraska the weekend before signing, uh, signing day. And, um, you know, I think that he's the guy that Tony Toyote really, really likes. He's got a good relationship. He's huge. He is huge, yeah. He's, he's 6'5", 6'6", 270. Um, I mean, and, and it's kind of – He's just a baby yet, too. I mean, you look at him, and and uh, he, he still ha- kind of has a baby face. And um, you know, his cousin was actually you know a, one, a top ranked recruit just a couple years ago. I was signed with uh, Ohio State, uh, very similar build, size, and everything. So uh, that's one player that I think is is worth paying attention to as, as we you know kind of turn turn the focus to February. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, and you know, Nate, you look at. February and, and, and what that's going to be, or January. Um, I'll be really curious to see how they move forward to the 21 class. And to me, what's really different when you start to look at kind of the 500 mile radius for 21, there's a lot right there that they could get locked up. You know, if they play their cards right by spring game ish time, May. They could have a lot of these 500 mile radius guys, if the you know from the area as commits. Well, yeah, and earlier in the show we talked about those core group of commits. 
uh, that, that kind of were the glue to this this class. Uh, well, those are the guys that this staff was seeing in January last year. You know, every week they could, they were going to stop by Logan Smothers. They were going to stop by Nash Hutmacher and Turner Corcoran and Blaze Gunnerson. I mean, they were investing in those guys in last January. Um, and this year, you're right. I mean, the 500-mile the radius is is unbelievably loaded. I mean, there's there's guys in the state, obviously, uh, that, that have offers that are they're highly ranked prospects like a Teddy Prohaska and Avante Dickerson. And uh, you've got Keegan Johnson now uh, at, at Bell West. But uh, Thomas Fedoni. A.J. Rollins. Yeah, Rollins. Uh, A.J. Uh, T.J. Bowlers. Uh, A.J. Rollins out of Creighton Prep. you got T.J. Bowlers. Um, you said in, Dickerson. In, yep, Dickerson at Westside. Um, Bowlers in Iowa. Uh, you the got linebacker s- in Sioux Falls. Yep. I mean, there's there's I, I think there's there's 15 to 18 um, you know 500 mile radius or border state offers that Nebraska's made already for the 2021 class. And um, you know, and I, I right now as things stand, I, I think you can make a case that Nebraska's got a good shot to to even land you know half of those guys. And if they did. I mean, that would be a major haul because these aren't just kind of like middle-of-the-road recruits. So most of these guys are, are you know, upper echelon. Power five guys yeah, pow- already. Well, yeah, they definitely have – they're all power five guys, but most of these guys have uh, offers from, from multiple power five conferences. So, I mean, they're, they're big-time recruits, a lot of talent in the 500-mile radius. Yeah, I'd ask you what will the number be, but we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, like, so don't be that guy on next week's Tuesday RSS chat chat that because we are we're all everyone by Tuesday will be moving ahead. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be <laughs> what's what's next. Let's start. It's like asking me, what are the Powerball numbers going to be this weekend? I don't know. What are the numbers going to be somewhere between 20 and 25, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this that's what it's going to be. I mean, but yeah, it, w- it will be interesting and there's one thing i'm not worried about how the staff manages the roster they'll, they'll they'll get the numbers and manage it i haven't even put the distribution numbers yet together but i'll be curious to kind of put all the hard numbers together at where they're at um, but there's gonna have to be five or six guys that probably move on from this roster from now until june july august yeah i mean and i think that's just going to kind of become the norm with college football now i mean with the way the popularity of, of the transfer portal and and guys wanting to explore other options or, or whatever, I think that's that's going to kind of become something that that we come to expect at the end of every you know spring semester or whatever. I think there's there's always going to be a handful of guys that that choose to move on. And um, but yeah, I, I think that again, if, if we've learned anything about this coaching staff, is that they uh, they're very organized and and they've got a plan, um, you know, in terms of how to maximize their numbers when it comes to recruiting and managing the roster. Well, Nate, um, it's been a fun, fun year of recruiting, and I know we're still not done. There's going to be another signing day, yep. but shouldn't be that busy. But I, I think I speak for everyone. Um, thank you to M- you and Brian Munson and Mike Mattia and Greg Peterson. Um, the entire recruiting team. There's nobody out there better than you guys and in, in what you guys bring. Um, I think our fan base, the fan base at Nebraska, they're spoiled. I mean, we we are one of the only outlets I see out there that goes and travels the country to follow teams' recruits at the level of commitment that we do here. So thank you, I think, from everybody I know on the site for the, the job you guys did this year. Yeah, well, you're more than welcome and looking forward to doing more in 2021. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week's show. Uh, plenty to talk about here, though, as we move forward here uh, with this recruiting class.
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.